Are you enjoying Corinthians? There's a lot in this book, and what we are doing is we're traveling around Asia with Paul. And again, I want to remind you to read, when you read your Bible, put yourself in the Corinthian seat or the Galatian seat or the Ephesian seat or any of these Gentile seats because we are Gentiles being brought into a kingdom that starts from the Old Testament with a story that has been written for, from before the beginning of the world. But let Paul disciple you. And as you get into this st story, <clears throat> as we're following into this book of 1 Corinthians, uh, this is the book, I think, for America today. This, more than any other of the, of the other books, because this is so close to our culture. And so thinking about what Paul is trying to do with these Corinthians, who are really confused, I'll put it that way, is Paul wants to help them understand that the gospel releases them from the sin and restores them to a lifestyle where they can honor God, honor themselves, and then honor other people through the grace that's given through Christ. Last week I talked to Matthew, called him up, and my son is in Indianapolis. And uh, <clears throat> he was in the middle of this game, Twilight Imperium. And it's a if you are into board games, I don't know how many of you like board games, but this is not a, a, a half-hour game or an hour game. This is a marathon game, six to eight to ten hours, depending upon how these strategy games go and depending on who, who's there and the luck of the draw. But there's a lot of things. But the thing about these games, Matthew says, is it's just not how well you play. You may play very well and lose the game. Because there's a context to these games, and it's, it's all about these dynamics and these nuances that are coming in that you never know. You have to be um, involved in paying attention to all the details. And it's complex, as you can imagine, as a game continues to build. Well, <clears throat> that complexity of the game is similar to what's going on in Paul because there's a back and forth uh, tension going on with the Corinthians and Paul is point counterpoint as Paul's trying to get them into the game of the gospel so to speak but they were not in the game that's the problem they were running with a different set of rules about what freedom was about what the spirit was and these Corinthians as we know were sophomores in the spirit they hadn't matured yet and yet as Paul would say, as we've gone into the first six chapters, we know that they they've, were judging Paul, and they were judging, <clears throat> um, they were criticizing um, Paul and the teaching of Scripture because they had their own rules. And so when it came to incest and the sexual violations that were going on uh, in Corinth, because if you were Corinthian, it meant that you were loose. You were sexually a free, quote, to do anything you want. I remember of a Bible study in Brazil where a guy came in the, in the Navigator ministry, and he came, and the, and the Christian said, well, we're going to have a seminar on Saturday. We want you to come to the, the seminar. He said, well, I can't. I'm going to go with my dad. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Father-son time. He says, yeah, we're going to the brothel. And at 16, 17 uh, often kids are taken into these places by dads, and they, he said, I can't go. Well, the Christians go, what? you're doing what? You can't. And they didn't understand that 
that for that culture in Brazil, the, the hold of, of, of sexual uh, expression and freedom uh, and immorality was what was taking place in Brazil, was what's taking place in America. But, but Paul had to deal with this in Corinth. And so they had a different understanding, and it took the guy in Brazil a good nine to, nine to ten months to break this habit of going to prostitutes. Well, this is what was going on in Corinth. And, and Paul says, you guys are arguing, playing the wrong game. And therefore, as you're going into this book, you have to wonder, why are these Corinthians arguing with Paul? What's going on? And why is it that we stubbornly resist and fight good things, but there's something else going on? There's a spiritual battle going on. And so <clears throat> without understanding <clears throat> without understanding all that's going on for Paul uh, in, in helping these guys um, grow in Christ, <clears throat> Paul was saying, uh, you guys are saying this as Corinthians, you're saying, well, I've got my rights. I've got a right to do anything I want to. And Paul, you can't tell me. Who are you to tell me what to do? And the Corinthian spirit is the American spirit. I've got my rights. I can do anything. But Paul would answer, but not everything is beneficial. And they would go on and say, well, I have the right to do anything. Two times they'd say that. But Paul says, well, I will not be mastered by anything. But the Corinthians would go on to say, well, it doesn't make a difference what you do because it's just the fleshly body part, uh, body and the food, and it's this material world. And so in their thinking, they had no idea of what the spirit realm would influence the fleshly realm of the material world. And so there's real tension. There is tension. But Paul would say, to the Ephesians, as he would say to the Galatians, as he would say to the Thessalonians, as he would say to us, as for you, you were dead in your freedom. You were dead in your transgressions. You were dead in your sin, in which you used to live when you followed, and I get what they're following, the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work among those who are disobedient. And all of us, Paul included, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and the thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath because we were dishonoring that which was meant to be honorable. And therefore, what the Corinthians were doing was accommodating the flesh instead of being able to be transformed by the Spirit. Now, this is actually a statue that you can go and lay down or sit on. And uh, I can't, it's a lazy liberty is what I call it. But there's a new game in town. And Paul brought it, and the game was called freedom. And that freedom that Paul wanted them to know is that the freedom of the Holy Spirit liberates the flesh, and accommodates the spirit instead of accommodating to the world. And that's what Henry read. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, now notice this word, there is liberty. So as I was thinking this week, and I've asked several people around, uh, what's the difference between that word liberty and freedom? 
Isaiah would mention, as Allison read, Awake, Zion, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. The uncircumcised and the defiled will not enter you again. Did you get that? You won't be defeated. The outside is not going to come in the inside, but the outside is going to be taken care of. But there are things on the inside that do need to be taken care of. So he says, awake yourself, uh, uh, wake up and clothe yourself with strength. And that's why in Ephesians, he takes that very same quote in Ephesians. It says, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now think about that for a minute. This week, has Christ shined, shone on you? Where Christ would come and present himself to you? Where the Holy Spirit would undo things in your life? Where you see Christ in all that we do? The promise is this. Christ will shine on you if you look to Christ. And Paul would say that with unveiled face, we all looking at this glory of Christ, but with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When you look at Christ, when you really get close to Christ and you see his face, when you see his face, the song we sang, we said, the joy in our hearts when we knew that we were forgiven. Do you know that your freedom brings Christ joy? When you are free, he smiles and he he just laughs because he knows you're set free. Your presence in his presence, something takes place dynamically in the Holy Spirit that you are really set free to worship, to love him, to honor him. And like I said last week, there's nobody else you want to get to know besides Christ because no one has more freedom. No one has more peace. No one has more wisdom. No one could accuse him that you did me wrong. Jesus constantly walked in a fallen world with no concern at all about anything. He was most free. And that freedom is liberating him from what people think of, thought of him. Gosh, we need to be free from those thoughts of what, how people, people's thoughts and opinions of us if we were just focused on Christ. Well, that's why in the King James, now this is a crazy thing, in the King James, it says, stand, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Now, this is King James. That's why I had Ryan open it with this. It says, stand, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with, wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be, do, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, there are some phrases that are going to be interchangeable and that's where we get some confusion. I want to clear, clarify that for us today. But in, in the Holman version, Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. The DeHart version, now you won't find that on the shelf, but it says, Christ has released us. He's released us to enjoy our new liberty so that we do not return to that old master that previously enslaved us. The NIV said it this way. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. Now you get these words freedom and liberty. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened 
again under the yoke of slavery. And again, you'll find the, the finished version. <clears throat> this is for you guys. This is, where's Anne when you need her? The finished version goes like this. Vaputin Christus vaputi medas. And it says, to freedom. is to freedom. Christ gets us to freedom. Christ liberated us to be free. And you get these two words, liberty and freedom, brought in together here. And in Spanish, for those, estad pues firmes en la libertad con que Cristo nos hizo libres. Y no volvéis otra vez a ser presos en el yugo de servidumbre. The idea in all languages, in all nations, that the power of sin, the power of the cross, <clears throat> would bring us something that we don't have. So let me ask you, church, put on your right brain switch and your left brain switch and ask, what's the difference between liberty and freedom? How would you explain that to your neighbor? How would you explain that to your spouse? How would you explain that to your co-worker or non-believing friend? Let you think about that for just a second. Is there, is there a difference? Well, there's certainly, certainly a difference. There's a nuance. Like in English, you can say, I walk down the street. But you can say, walk 35 different ways. I say, I perambulated down the street. Or I moseyed down the street. I hustled down the street. These nuances have significance. Well, the word liberty, what is liberty? Well, here's your word. Does that help you? Eleutheria. Uh, no, that doesn't help. Sorry, Jerry. Well, here's what you need to understand. What did it mean for the Corinthians? And this is what you've got to get a hold of because it's what Paul is saying to them to transform them. And this is what they thought. For the Greeks, to be free was not to have a master. Liberty means not to have a master, to be independent. Now, see, here's where the American spirit comes in, right? To be free, in, in that culture, a free man is to be at one's own disposal. You can do what you want to. You're self-determined. You don't have anybody controlling you. In contrast, in contrast to the slave who is told what to do. If you go into the Kairos ministry in prison, we learn that the average person outside of prison makes 225 decisions a day. In prison, you make 25. A guy got out, he was released. He said, now you need to go down to the state capitol and, and register. He says, okay. And it's an hour away. He says, uh, you need to go. And the prisoner that was just been released says, okay. After 22 years in prison, he says, uh, you mean I, I have to do this on my own? He says, yeah, you're free. He says, but I've been locked up. I have not been through a single door in 22 years without somebody, some guard in front of me opening the door with a key. Amazing. A slave, <clears throat> a slave is not free. A prisoner is not free. Therefore, when you think about the word liberty, add these three dimensions to help you understand Liberty means not enslaved, not entangled, not endangered. Liberty, 
not enslaved, not entangled, not in danger. And therefore, to understand the word liberty, it means to be delivered, released from the hands of an oppressor. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever been oppressed? Ever been afraid? As a kid, I was one time. I watched, I watched this uh, King Kong movie. Remember when he climbed the, 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 the tower in New York? And, and I was a little kid, and I thought, ah, King Kong, man. He's, I was seven or eight. I don't know. And I went to bed that night, and I had this vision of King Kong hopping on these houses in my neighborhood and stopping right in front of me. And then he's going to jump into my house. And I was in my bed. I'm thinking, ah, I was afraid. So I jumped on a flying carpet and went down the stairs and I escaped. That was my <laughs> It's funny how you remember things as a kid. But to be free from fear, to be free from something, to be free from a monster, to be free from a tyrant, we talk about freedom being liberated. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the, the people in the Holocaust felt when they were liberated? Can you imagine what the Ukrainians feel by being oppressed? Liberty means to be delivered from the presence of one who's going to be an oppressor. And St. Paul knew this. So Paul was saying to the Corinthians, there are things that are oppressing you, controlling you, locking you into a pattern that's going to continue to destroy you. And I'm concerned not only about these sexual ethics, because it wasn't only about the sexual ethics. It was about the gospel. And they were going to compromise the whole liberty of deliverance from the very sins that these guys were being locked up into by their own choices. Therefore, Paul would go on to say in, in Hebrews, or the writer writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Now you've got a different definition. The entanglement of sin, that which trips you up, that which deceives you. Paul is seeing these Corinthians as being immature sophomores who they just don't know. And therefore, eleutheria, liberty, not enslaved, not entangled, and not fearful of some King Kong gorilla hopping on your house. These other words, you see this in, in Romans 8, that the creation itself will be set free, liberated from what? Bondage to decay. That means be, there's the release, the deliverance, the healing, the dominance, the oppression, tyranny, lorded, overruled, bosses, bullies, you name it. God doesn't want you to be that way. Therefore, any kind of thing that is really destroying, hurting, damaging you, the Father is standing up and wants to attack those things and put them under the footstool of Christ. And therefore, you understand that the freedom, as Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, is into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now that's a noun, and sometimes you'll hear the word liberty. But the idea that God wants something for you, shines this on you, and yet we don't sometimes get it. So you have to ask, what's that freedom mean again? Liberty means there's an oppressor, liberation, from the, from the enslaved, entangled, and danger. Well, freedom 
then is the state of being responsible for making one's own decisions as to how I am thinking, speaking, relating, acting. I don't have any King Kong on my back. And therefore, I am not concerned about the darkness. I'm not concerned or enslaved by the entanglements. I really can walk away from them. And over here, I'm wide open to the freedom, the liberty that Christ gives us. So what's the difference? Liberty is from. Freedom is to. Liberty is liberated from something that's oppressing. But freedom means I'm giving a whole choice that I can fly. You see this in the gospel as salvation because the gospel means this. Liberty means I am liberated from the power of sin. I'm liberated from an oppressor or a cruel tyrant like Satan. I'm liberated from torturous habits. I'm liberated from accusations and judgments. I'm liberated from fear, from guilt, and from shame. I'm liberated from the self-preoccupation, self-absorption, self-performance. I, I've got to be focused. That's the BBS syndrome, the belly, belly button syndrome. I'm looking at me more than Christ. But I'm liberated from Satan's rule from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, I'm liberated from the world. I'm liberated from death. And all of those take a cross to break the power of sin, a cross to break the power of death, but it takes a resurrection to break the power of self. And that's what Paul's saying. You guys are missing it because you're still not liberated. Salvation is freedom. Freedom, then, is freedom to choose whom I'm going to follow. Freedom of conscience because of forgiveness. I'm not absorbed again by my shame, guilt, forgiveness. Takes that away. Freedom to say no to former sins and entanglements. Freedom to let go of the old ways and learn new things. Freedom because of the gospel has a foundation of grace. Freedom to laugh. Freedom to laugh and to sing in healthy ways. The freedom, <clears throat> the freedom to really worship the one who set me free. And freedom to replace fear with new faith. Freedom is uh, to be the person I was made to be and to give my heart and my mind to a gracious master. Oh, I want to follow him. I want to be with him. And therefore, this freedom of the gospel is to enter into another world as Christ entered into my world to set me free. And therefore, I can move with an other-centeredness, a selflessness, a freedom to love and to serve others. That's why you understand the gospel breaks the chain of all the old patterns of the flesh. And Christians are liberated from sin. And they lose their freedom if they return to the world's definition of freedom. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so you have both of them brought together in Christ. And therefore, Paul says, stand fast, therefore, in the, the freedom, the liberty, wherewith Christ has made us free, and do not be tangled again. The idea for Paul, Paul understood, well understood, 
the Corinthians had a wrong understanding of freedom. And therefore, Paul was trying to get them into following an example that the freedom in Christ to honor God, to honor Christ, to honor the Spirit, to honor myself, to honor you, you're released from this, but you're re restored to be people of honor, people of truth. Well, if all that's true, then the question is, well, if all this is, if I'm free in Christ, then why am I still struggling with sin? Why is it that I still have these battles? Well, this is a complicated question. I'm not going to answer it today except to say that there are things that the Corinthians didn't understand. They didn't understand the power of the cross. They didn't understand the power of the Spirit. They didn't understand the power of prayer. They didn't understand the power of the church, the community that God wanted them to have the resources to walk alongside them. But they didn't understand the power of the revealed Word of God in Christ. Therefore, awake. Wake up. For those who were letting the uncircumcised and defiled entering in them again, they didn't understand how to draw the line, saying, I'm now liberated from those things. E. Stanley Jones, a missionary to England, said this, If the Holy Spirit can take over the subconscious with our consent and our cooperation, then we have almighty power working at the basis of our lives, and then we can do anything we ought to do. Go anywhere we ought to go and be anything we ought to be. You see, the new game in town is we're kingdom builders. We're playing according to these rules. And therefore, we understand that in Christ, we have been released and justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And that's how he concludes he says, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and by that same power, that same liberation, you brought into that freedom. And so Paul says to them, I will not be mastered by anything. What a sentence. I will be mastered by Christ. That's the only thing that Paul's trying to get them to. So, church, let me ask you, as you think about Christ shining on you and the things that entangle you, there may be things that you don't know how to deal with. Like, like the Corinthians, there are things that they didn't know. And it's okay not to know. But to go to Christ with those things and say, would you please release me, help me deal with those things, wake me up so that my spirit is set free to worship you. If there's a need that you have, that you need to have a personal time to talk about it, in, every Christian has the right to be discipled. Every Christian has the birthright to be free. But if there's something that's hindering you, bothering you, we are here for you. But I just want you to know, it's the smile of Christ when you are set free that I'm looking for. Christ wants to set you free. If there's something that you need to talk to Christ, let me give you time now before we close to pray. So close your eyes and bow your heads. Is there something that you want God to do for you to liberate you and bring you into the freedom? Something he said to you this morning that you want him to shine. The things you don't know. 
that you need to be released from. What is the Lord saying to you? Okay, let me have your attention. The cross, the cross divides the world. There are those that are on that side of the cross that are still in darkness, and there are those on that side of the cross that are liberated. If you don't know Christ, you're on that side. I would invite you to think about asking Jesus to be your Lord and Master, your Savior. If you don't know him, you'll never be free. But if you know him, he sets you free. Let's close the word of prayer. Father, now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that omnipotent grace, that holy grace, that, that righteousness that falls from heaven through your Son and is now the basis for our relationship. Father, may your Spirit make these words real and would you give us that liberty and that freedom and that grace to stand fast. Father, give us the mind of Christ as we go out and tell others about this good news, that they too can have new life in Christ. Lord, bless this church. Reproduce it 30, 60, and 100 fold, but be pleased to set us free. For your glory and for our growth we pray. Amen. Amen.